Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics, who have been playing very well since the All-Star break. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and joining me is John Duke, but they can't avoid the injury bug, John, and it's really getting heavy now. We thought it was just a a bad start to the year. It's a little bit of a setback. They go out on these crazy win streak during a difficult schedule. And now here we are. It's supposed to be loosening up. Kyrie Irving can't keep the knee healthy. Jalen Brown goes down super had. And then Al Horford's out with a sickness. Hopefully that's just a one gamer. And, uh, you know, Kyrie goes down in the second half of the game against the Pacers last night, a game where the Celtics scored 50 points at the half and really somehow kept pace in the second half, but not enough to keep up or keep with the Pacers who outpaced them in the second half and really a gritty effort by Marcus Smart, Tito Rozier was on fire for the most part didn't be able wasn't able to hit a uh, shot with about 1.5 seconds left on the clock but overall a pretty good week just not a healthy one no it was a, it was a rough week for the uh, for the Celtics it had a lot of uh, a lot more to art horns uh, to-do list here over the last 7 days i mean i think we can kind of discount what's going on with Warford um, you know, whether he, you know, what type of illness he has, I don't know, but, you know, I think that they're, you know, they're going to be cautious this time of year. Their, their eyes are on mid April and, and the playoffs. So anything they can do to get time and, and get people in full health, they're going to do, obviously. I think what's more concerning to me is, is, I mean, we could, Jalen obviously is the most concerning thing. Arguably that was the worst thing. Uh, including Hayward's injury that I saw in terms of injuries this year. Uh, Weird how he was still clutching his fingers together in a fist and a, yeah. you know, like he was still trying to hold on to the rim because when he was up there, it was clear he knew that he needed to hold on to that rim. And when you're going at it so hard like that, that momentum carries you forward. You really want to be able to hold on and let it swing backward and it, and it didn't. He obviously couldn't hold on, and that wound up for an awkward fall. Well, we've seen a lot of guys, in fact, probably more quarterbacks uh, this past year. The Case Keenum for, uh, I think, for the for the Vikings, he was concussed, 
and he uh, actually ended up uh, going to convulsions. Uh, but but effectively, yeah, that he was had that odd. That you know, was a had, scary watch. He had those hands kind of locked, just like Jalen had his hands locked, kind of after that hit. Uh, very frightening. And as I said, you know, when you saw Jalen go down, it was it was I think it was worse than Hayward, even though the result wasn't nearly as bad. Just because it was such an obvious, you know, you could see his body, you could see where it was going. You really had to look a little bit closer to see what was going on with Hayward's foot. Uh, obviously, when you saw it, it was pretty gruesome. Uh, but that was, you know, that was terrible. But I think the most concerning out of all of them certainly is Kyrie's knee. You know, you, you've got all this time off in between the Minnesota game Thursday night and the Pacers game on Sunday. And you'd think that rest would help. I didn't see anything in particular that he had tweaked or any particular, you know, banging in knees or anything. So that's the one that kind of worries me even more to this point as, as to whether or not, you know, what they're, what they're, what they're seeing there. Because obviously if he's having a hard time and I don't think we saw a full Kyrie performance, it felt like really honestly in that whole first half against the Pacers, they were kind of going half speed. So. Just the Pacers were so ugly. Yeah, the Pacers were so ugly in that first half that it wound up being okay, I guess, for for them to be able to stake a 10-point lead at the half. But I agree with you. So let's put it this way. On Thursday against the Minnesota um, against Minnesota T-Wolves, they clinched a playoff berth. At this point, with these many injuries, and you're just trying to keep people healthy for the postseason, it's been a struggle. Do you kind of let somebody like Kyrie take a break? Terry Rozier's been on fire. If you remember, he got a start when Kyrie took some rest earlier in the year chalked up a triple-double. Marcus Smart's playing a lot better since taking some time off after slicing and dicing his hand, punching a uh, picture frame in a hotel room. But I think at this point you can look at those two guards in the backcourt have been pretty good. They've been anchoring the second unit. I know it's not ideal, uh, but I think if Horford comes back, they could still rattle off some wins down the stretch. And, it, again, they've already clinched a spot in the playoffs. Why not try to be healthy for it? Maybe take a page from the Cleveland Cavaliers book and, and shut him down for a little bit. Well, I think that that's, that's a good point. Uh, the other thing I'd, I'd also add to that is they're pretty much locked into the two seed. They, I mean, they, they had, do have a chance that they could kind of make a run at Toronto, depending upon – how those two games against Toronto work out here at the end of this month, or, or I should say beginning of April, they could make a run there, but really it, it at this point, it's starting to look too close, too, too far away. They, you know, Toronto is just, they're a world on fire right now. And the Celtics just, you know, they're playing okay. They're playing much better than they were uh, around the all-star break. Seems like that's a bit fur away. So why not just, you know, use the time now. You've got a huge gap between you and the three seed, whether that's Indiana or Cleveland. And, take and you want to keep it there. Let, let, let's just say you want to keep it there. Unless Cleveland slips to the four seed, then maybe you're okay with slipping to the third seed, you know, if, if Indiana were to leapfrog the two. But, um, but you really do knowing if you might, knowing that you might play, um, Knowing that you might play the Cavaliers in the playoffs, you want to hold on to that home court advantage, if at all possible. But still, it doesn't matter. Home court advantage if you can't be healthy. And Jalen Brown, I think, is going to be back. I, I actually think this might be a little bit more lengthy. They're really You talk about being cautious with that Gordon Hayward injury and saying he won't be back. 
they're saying, well, he's going to be day-to-day at some point, but it probably won't be for for a week or so. So it could be Jalen's out for two weeks, which is really a travesty when you consider how well the kid's been playing. Very much under control in the last couple of weeks. I mean, still some spots, but aggressive. Um, the defense has always been there, and they're going to miss that. But but I just think his offense was starting to get a lot more polished. He was using the bank shot much more often to get some of those little fadeaway shots to drop. Really was generating some some solid offense. And when wide open, always knocking down the three lately. So would have been really nice to have him healthy. But I, I think he will come back. But I think it could be a little bit more of an extended absence than we're expecting. That's okay. You know, like you said, this is – might as well take that time, get him right, you know, get him feeling good. You know, he's somebody – he really hasn't been out other than when his face got broken <laughs> for a period of time and had to wear the goggles and all that. I mean, he really hasn't had a long extended streak of being out. It probably wouldn't hurt him to have some time to sit and let his body rest, just like we saw with, with Marcus. Um that's done wonders for Marcus ever since he came back from there. A really a great performance against the Pacers has really uh, throughout that stretch since, since returning from the all-star break and, and from the hand injury really playing Can well. Can we really call um, it a return that. or is it just the emergence of skinny Marcus? Because I mean, look at the putback against the Timberwolves. What was that? The end of the first quarter or was it in the second quarter of the T-Wolves game? I mean, geez, him and Tatum both had incredible putbacks, but for Marcus to throw down that putback dunk was aggressive. He's, he's all of a sudden got some hops that we've never seen. And it's got to be from a little bit lack of extra weight. It seems like he's finally trimmed down and found you know, the ability to really get up above the rim. And we haven't seen that Marcus Smart in a while. Everybody wants to talk about his defense and his passing, but we always knew that was there. He gets six triples, and I think he shot 12, 11 or 12, I guess, against the the Pacers. So he, he shoots 50%, but a couple of them really key as he put the team on the back when they were basically giving up in the third, late third quarter. And then he charges them back in the fourth quarter, which was awesome. But it really is skinny Marcus. I, he's, I don't want to say he's a different player, but it's not, he's not the same player as he was before. It's almost like he needed to screw up to really take the next leap. I, I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the skinny Marcus thing to me, last year I think he was out of shape and I think we found out it was because of some, some back injuries that he was having and it was not, you know, not allowing him to do what he normally does in terms of cardio. And I think the other thing is he had that rest. I think the rest made a big difference for him. It was obviously a, a big impact to be able to sit down for a month. The other thing I was looking through some game logs, until this the Minnesota game on Thursday night, he hadn't played more than 30 minutes uh, at any point between uh, you know when he had returned and and that point. Obviously, he did against the Pacers. Obviously, it was over 30. But if you go back through the game logs, the number of games he's over 30 minutes, um, I'd say. I mean, I, and this is I'm eyeballing it here. But I would say he's at least half of the games he's well over 30 minutes or considerably over 30 minutes. And I, I wonder if this is, you know, minutes restrictions in part. We're trying to find a way to, to harness that energy. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago and I, I'm, I'm still there. I think it's, I think 
you know, the, the whole idea of him diving for a ball that somebody that <laughs> Jamal Crawford's dribbling in his right hand. I mean, those are that effort. There's a reason why people don't do that all the time. It's because you can't. You physically can't do it. So if he's doing it for if he's playing 33 minutes a night, the energy's not going to be there. But if you're playing 25, 26 minutes, maybe you've got a little bit more juice in the tank, and you've got those you've got some room for those putbacks. You got some room to be able to be that kind of light. You know, skinny Marcus that we that we've uh, really enjoyed seeing here over the last two weeks. Well, I don't think minutes management is in his future in the next several weeks, so there's a problem there. But you make a great point. Nobody has that high motor for thirty plus minutes, night in and night out. They all learn to play with pace. I think honestly, if he was the starter, he would learn to play with pace. But his job is to come in off the bench and infuse some energy into the lineup, which he often does, and then he's out there closing games. So there really isn't a moment for him to take that step back and find the flow of the game the way that the starters often do. And especially when you see him matching up against bigs like Carl Anthony Towns the other night. Um, he's called upon to do some mismatches, which he does successfully, but there's no way he's not getting worn down with Carl Anthony Towns backing him up in the post and banging off of him. It's just crazy. All right, Hoops fans, listen up. Basketball season is past the All-Star break, heading towards the playoffs, and now that your favorite hardwood heroes have hopefully remained healthy, I guess that's not the case with the Celtics, but as they're gearing up for playoff action, it's time for you to gear up as well and put your fantasy knowledge to the test to win huge cash prizes every night playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of a similar skill level. And you know what the best part is? You get to draft a new team every day, and that's the best part of fantasy. The only thing that's better is winning cash doing it. Just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry into a thousand bucks huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings. use the code clns at draftkings.com free for your first deposit in a share of ten thousand dollars in total cash prizes tonight don't wait use code clns at draftkings.com now choose your lineup and you can cash in tonight again that's code clns only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. John, did you like that? I got that last line out. The way they do it on the real radio. I killed that. Nailed it. Hit Nailed the post. It. Yeah, you got to do It's like, uh, you know, you got it when the whole intro music is playing and then you hit it right as the song comes in. That's, It's man, the that's... eligibility restrictions uh, apply. That one's been tripping me up for weeks, but I finally got that little asterisk line just snuck in there, smoother than silk. Beautiful. Um, where do you want to go from here, my man? I mean, we've got the seedings now for March Madness, your Duke Blue Devils in the second seed. We've uh, been looking at players from Duke several years in a row. We've got two on the squad now. You and I, big fans of Tatum. I don't know if we're ready to go to college basketball in this show, <laughs> but obviously we have to talk about it a little bit. We're going to talk about your boy Bags and, uh, you know, several other players, obviously, in the draft that we're probably not going to see on the Celtics roster, thanks to the Lake Show doing pretty well with Isaiah Thomas lately. 
Yeah, they have been. That's that's unfortunate because this really would be a great year. We talked about early on. This is a this is a great year for the Celtics to have that pick. Pick any number of the big guys: Bomba, Aiton, Bagley, uh, you know, uh, Wendell Carter. Uh, you know, even if you want to consider Michael Porter in that group um, as a, as a four, this would have been the year, you know, and. Yeah, maybe they sell them straight up. And let's, let's remember, this is a lottery, right? So just because the, the, you know, the Lakers have been playing so well, uh, we saw what happened when, uh, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers a couple years back, the year after, uh, Kyrie had come there, they ended up, or no, excuse me, this was the Wiggins year. They end up being 10th. What happens? They win the lottery, you know, and right now, Lakers are 11th. So. It could happen. They could get the second pick. It seems unlikely. I'm not going to count on it. But, uh, you know, in some ways, there are some benefits to it. You're not going to go into the lottery and, you know, be nervous that they get first. It seems unlikely they're even going to move past that point. So if you're watching and they get, they you know, they're not in order, and then we can get nervous at that point. But, uh, you know, hey, this is uh, – this is unfortunate, but I still think that's and some basketball fun stuff is a game of streaks, right? So they had one good streak. They could have several negative streaks. You never know where it's going to land. <laughs> Speaking of later picks, you know, also keep in mind a guy like Miles Turner, while not a perfect player, certainly encouraging young player. I think he went tenth overall in his draft. Is that right? Kind of had that Paul Pierce slot. I'll have to go back and look. I'll 11th. find it. I think he was eleventh. Eleventh. Well, there you go. Yeah. So. There's definitely talent to be had later in the draft. Maybe not some of the guys that are going to be 100% on display in March Madness, but definitely lots of good players. So next week, or do we have time? We really don't have time, right? You, you've got to you've got to do your basketball NCAA breakdown for us. Is it today? Right? <laughs> you got to do it. Who to watch or, for? Or, and all yeah, that. yeah. I mean, every year we do this. Is that next Sunday or is that? Or is that this week? I think we gotta you gotta quickly go through it this week, I think, you know. Um yeah, bang, I, it, I think, bang it out, sure. brother. I mean, you know what? We've yeah. had a nice run with the C's, but really the whole story is injuries right now, right? And so. and and some great moments from the bench. They were really getting hot, but I think we got to fill some time talking about the NCAA because this is this is mad season. <laughs> we gotta fill some time. Well, yeah, I think right now, I mean, Villanova, they've been the number one team pretty much throughout. I think UVA kind of took that. They, they, you know, Villanova ran into some tough, tough, tough sledding after they lost to St. John. And then, you know, really Virginia has been kind of taken on that mantle since then. And I think those two teams, um, you know, have kind of led the way. And I think it'd be kind of foolish to, to pick against them on either of their brackets. Villanova has a ridiculously easy road to the final four. I mean, it's just like tailor made for them. Um, Virginia, I think it's a little bit tougher. Um, you know, you look at somebody like Aiton, um, who can do so many things on the court be as the four seed. That could be a really, really interesting sweet 16 matchup. Uh, but, you know, Cincinnati has looked spry. I, I really don't see anything. I think the real interesting brackets are probably in the West and the Midwest. Um, Midwest, you've got Kansas, Duke, and Michigan State. Any one of those three teams could be a Final Four team in any other bracket. And the fact that they're all in the same bracket is, is, is pretty tough. Um, but 
I think it's, you know, whoever gets there is going to be somebody who has, you know, kind of been through the battles and, and got there. Um, I don't think, I think it's the, the winner of that bracket's going to come through the bottom, whether it's Duke or Michigan State. Michigan, Kansas has had a bit of an odd year and it really didn't, hasn't been a strong year in the Big 12. They haven't been pushed like they have been the past years. Um, and I don't think that, while they'll probably get to the Elite Eight fairly easily, I don't see them getting knocked off by Seton Hall or, you know, NC State, Clemson, Auburn. I don't see any of those teams. It's really going to be, I think it's really the Sweet 16 matchup with Michigan and State and Duke. Um, now there's a question if Duke gets there, they're going to go through URI, Michigan State's going to get through TCU. I do think Duke is going to be able to, to get ahead of Michigan State. They played earlier in the year and Duke's lack of a, of a point guard really was not exploited. Kansas could be a tough matchup for them, but I just think their size is just overwhelming for the Blue Devils to go there. And when you go to the, the West bracket, Xavier is interesting. I think Ohio State's interesting. Um, Carolina. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, I think mid-level teams there that you could, you could go pretty far down the board. Um, you could see an Ohio State team win, uh, that bracket. I think you could see, you know, someone go far who's a little bit further away. Um, I think that could be a really, a area where you can see a lot of upsets is in the West. Um, and Carolina going out West, you know, if they're in the East, they travel pretty well. I'm not sure if the West Coast is going to be as good for them. So, um, you know, Xavier's the one seed there. They get knocked out by Providence on a kind of a last minute, a little bit fluky thing. Um, they haven't played badly late. And so I, I can't pick up. I think, I think I would probably go with Carolina because I think they're, they've just played better. And I think they have, you know, with Joel Berry, kind of a, a solid senior point, you know, point guard leader. I think that that's a, a, a it's hard to pick against Carolina in that case as, as much as that pains me as a Duke fan to say. Who's your sleeper pick? Sleeper pick? Yeah. Well, so, okay, so do you think anyone below a, like a five or six seed, is that, is that kind of your, the benchmark yeah, there? Yeah, I would say, I mean, there's the under, there's the full blown underdog, you know, anybody 12 yeah. seed or less, but, but I'd say sleeper pick, somebody unlikely to get to the final four. It doesn't even have to be sleeper for the whole, the whole deal, just sleeper to make maybe the sweet 16 or the final four. So, Obviously, everyone always talks about the five twelve matchups. Like, which is the which five twelve is going to get through, and and this and that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna. This is kind of a Celtic homer pick. I, I like Butler. I think Butler can get past Arkansas in round one. It's a seven ten. Uh, Purdue has had a really has had a strong year in the Big Ten, but uh, I think Butler Butler's had a pretty tough schedule throughout, and they've been up and down and up and down. Um, did not play well, uh, against Villanova. Um, but Purdue is a different, very different team than what, uh, the, the Villanova Wildcats bring. I think they could get into the, into the Sweet 16, uh, and get to the, the second weekend. I think that would be a pretty interesting and it kind of shows how beyond Villanova, the rest of that bracket or that end, that, uh, I guess it's the East, um, uh, that Eastern bracket is just, I don't think it's very good uh, from from beginning to end. So, yeah, I'm actually looking at Butler. I think they could be kind of interesting there in that end of the bracket. So who do you pick to win it, and I'm going to take Duke off the table for you? <laughs> I think that's a smart call. Um, I'm going to go chalk. I think Villanova wins. Um, I think that, you know, when you look at some of the metrics, they've just – 
they slipped up a little bit, um, and you know, kind of UVA kind of took over. Uh, but I think that Villanova probably has been the best team from beginning to end uh, this season. I don't think Duke's that much far is that further behind, uh, and I think Duke's size would 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 be tough for them in a final in a in a game in the final four. I think that they could. Um, really cause trouble, but Villanova has that backcourt, uh, with Brunson, and I think that that would, <laughs> that would be kind of a bigger issue for Duke, uh, than Duke's size would be for the, for the Wildcats. So I, th- I think Villanova wins. Um, I wouldn't be disappointed if UVA won, um, but no way do I want to see Carolina win. Never. <laughs> yeah, I bet not. All right. So <laughs> final question on the NCAA and then we'll get back into the C's. Um, yeah. Last couple of years, the real big downside to the tournament has been that the players that we were hoping that the Celtics would draft weren't able to make it very far, so we really didn't get to see them play a lot of basketball on the big stage and in crunch time. Um, of all the top maybe eight to nine players in the, you know, potentially at the top of the draft, if you look at Draft Express now on ESPN or NBA Draft Night or any of the other draft boards of that sort of consensus top six to eight, who do you think makes the furthest? Are you going to go with bags? Because um, that's a tough bracket, like you said. So very easy to see him get toppled. Right. No, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think, you know, I think Arizona will make it to the second weekend. Um, just looking at Aiden. I, I don't have any faith in Texas. I think Bomba's out early. Um, Jaron Jackson would be another one. Uh, yeah, that's Michigan what I was State, thinking. Yep. You know, so you've got him and then Bridges, who's, you know, I guess that's 10. He, you know, Tankathon has him 10th right now. Bridges, the Villanova Bridges, <laughs> the Bridges of Villanova County, uh, you know, obviously I picked them to win. I think they could go the whole way. Um, you know, Oklahoma is in it. Trey Young, you know, kind of following that, but he has not been good of late. Oklahoma has not been good of late. I think they'll be gone pretty early. So yeah, I, th- I think you're looking at probably Villanova Duke um, and Michigan State are probably the ones that you're going to be hanging around and, um, you know, you're, that, those are the names that you're going to be looking for, um, you know, kind of as you're going on. But you're right. That's, I think that, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine this weekend. And it's like, that's one of the things that has been, you know, I think incredibly frustrating as a, as a fan of college basketball. You're looking and you're, and you're trying to see like, how can, um, I get excited about these final four matchups because, they're here and gone, and there's more parity uh, now. You know, it used to be you knew it was going to be St. John's, and it was going to be Georgetown, and it was going to be Duke, and it was going to, you know, you knew who the teams were all year long. You knew they'd been there for years. They'd built something. It has killed the game, you know, and as much as people want to say, what's well, about money, and it's this and that, you know, in terms of the fan experience, that's been a real problem. So I think one thing to watch, though, would be Colin Sexton. If he you know, Alabama's kind of set up that they could be playing Villanova in, um, in the uh, round of 32. I guess they still call it that. Now they call it the third round. Anyway, he could go off. He's the type of guy where if he goes just supernova, and arguably he's better than Trey Young. I think a lot of people believe that. He could knock out Villanova. And if that happens, then I think 
things get weird. This is a year where there's been a lot of parity and, and Villanova has kind of held its place. I think UVA has, you know, after an initial start really has kind of held its place. Those two teams, everybody else, there's, there's a lot of, I think parity involved. And apart from Duke and Michigan state and Carolina, I'm not sure I have any confidence in any of the better teams to be able to get there in the end. So, um, Colin Sexton could be an interesting one who could kind of, you know, go supernova on us real quick as somebody who knocks off the number one seed. That would be kind of an interesting thing for, for fans, you know, looking for a, a good game to watch here next weekend. All right. Well, we'll be back. Obviously we'll be following the tournament all the way through, but we always do a nice preview. And John, uh, did not disappoint. As, as a matter of fact, John, I think that might have been your best and most thorough preview to date. We've been at this for a good 13 or 14 years. At least we weren't talking Odin Durant. Um, I remember that preview was a pretty limited and, and focused one. As a reminder, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore tweet live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Media Network. Network at CLNS Media and the Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Don't forget to download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. And finally, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Media for high definition, full length locker room interviews, the garden report, the round table, and many, many more right there on the YouTube channel. Again, youtube.com slash CLNS Media. We also get comments on our five-minute clip for Celtic Stuff Live. So you get to see great video production. So if you're a loyal listener of the show and you want to comment on a particular segment, we highlight one every single week on the YouTube channel. So make sure you go over there, find the Celtic Stuff Live playlist, and look at recent videos. Okay, John, here's my question on Jason Tatum as he's been called upon a little bit more and a little bit more, especially when you look at that second half of that Indiana game, he loses the handle over in the corner. Definitely a little difficult there, an unforced error. I'm not really sure what you're thinking. He seemed to be heating back up, and I think for the most part he is. Um, still got that nice, sweet shot, an excellent block in the first half of that Pacers game, and obviously the putback like we talked about with the Minnesota game. Plenty of highlights, but... When called upon to really go and generate the offense in crunch time, it's just still not quite there yet. Do you think that's just going to be a couple of years in the making, similar to Jalen Brown? I think he's I think he's ahead of Jalen Brown in that regard. I mean, I think he's making plays. Jalen Brown wasn't making plays last year. I mean, he was finishing. He was doing. You know, he was kind of getting ahead on the break, but but he was not even the rudimentary playmaking that that uh, Tatum is doing is, is ahead of where Jalen I think was at this point. Um, so I know I, I, I think, yes, I don't, I think that it's going to be some time before you can kind of go to him and have him create something. Um, but I, I think he's, he's a bit further ahead. I, I don't think that um, I think this is a good opportunity for him. You know, we had a situation where, you know, we were talking a lot on the show. Should they be, you make him the second unit score. Is he ready for that? Now it's almost not a necessity. Let's say, you know, Kyrie's saying, I want to take a few games off. And I think, you know, we talked in an early part of the show about why that might be a good idea. If that happens, Tatum is going to be forced into that role, you know, especially with, with Jalen out. And it's going to be Terry, Marcus, 
and you know Tatum, certainly Horford will have some. Well, hold on, we got to talk about Mook in that little squad because not he has been an no. off, not as a, not playmaker, a playmaker, but he's been an <laughs> offensive <laughs> machine. Yeah, but that's different. Like, he's shooting they, well. Yeah. He's general. I mean, I wish we'd see more of him in the second now. half of the Indiana game. I agree, total ball stopper. He's that's yeah. why he's a good fit for the second unit. You're a hundred percent right. Not a playmaker. Scary Terry Tito Rozier is though, and I think yeah. you know he's been hitting some big shots, and obviously Marcus initiates the offense. But, but I think we, I you know specifically what I think we need from Tatum is scoring. I mean, there, I even saw a couple of times that Indiana was just letting the ball go to Tice, and he looked like he wanted to shoot the three, and he thought twice at least. I think three times in the second half and twice down the stretch, understandably so. Although uh, before the all-star break, he had hit a couple of threes and wasn't afraid to take them. But, but ultimately, I mean, I think that's what we're looking for is just more Terry from beyond the arc. And I don't think Marcus Smart's going to be able to keep that up. And if he's not, that's where they're going to need to lean on Tatum for offense. Uh, yeah, I think – Let's talk about, I mean, I think we need to talk about whether or not Kyrie's out. If Kyrie's out, it's a very different argument than I think if he's there. Well, they got two more nights off, right? Two more nights off before the next game. Night off, night on. They haven't had a back-to-back in a while. I think that's what makes this so concerning, right? Two days off, plays a half with two days. I mean, that's why you know it's bad. Because knowing they had two more days off after having two days off tells you that it's not in great shape. Otherwise, he would have finished out the half and had two nights more. So uh, I do think he's out. I think he's going to be out maybe for a week. I don't think it's ideal, but it, it seems like Horford will be back, and Terry's played well. They're probably going to try to skate it, especially having clinched the playoff berth. It's the smartest thing to do. So the answer to your question, I think, let's 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 answer that question by saying that he's going to be out for at least two more games, possibly three through next Sunday, and and then you can kind of run with it there. Yeah, you know, so like tonight, or I should say Sunday night, uh, Tatum ends up with, with 11 shots, you know. Um, and, and they were moving the ball. I mean, let's first half, everyone's touched the ball, everyone's scoring. I think that's great. You know, he ends up with 19 uh, in, against, in the Patriots game, you know, I think that's, you know, he was one off from the, the team high. Marcus had 20. He ends up with 19. He's going to have to be shooting about 15, 15 shots a game, you know, without, without Kyrie. They got to get him to that point. You know, now, you know, earlier in the year, you know, kind of when he was at his, I think his, his, his peak, I mean, he's really has not been averaging you know, on a night to night basis, it's, you know, 11, 11, 7, 7, 9, 6, 11. You know, it's all nothing really in the upper half of the teens. He's stayed out of the teens. I mean, he's probably only had, I could probably count on, you know, uh, one, you know, two hands, probably the number of games he's had where he's shot in the teens. You know, he actually, if anything, his attempts have actually gone up. Um, after Christmas, which is kind of interesting because obviously his, his production and his efficiency went way down. So the question is, can now that his, his percentage or his, his shot seemingly is looking better, he seems to push through that wall a little bit. Can he allow his efficiency to stay somewhat level with, with, uh, more attempts? And I think he can. I think he can get back there. Uh, but we don't want to see that backslide. So it's going to be an interesting situation for him as he kind of, 
has to, okay, it didn't work before. Now let's, let's go back through that. We, we need you right now. There's really no other help without Kyrie out there. Um, yes, Terry will do what he's got to do. Mook will do what he's got to do. More from smart, more from everybody. But, but Tatum's when, when you have say to everybody, you mean nobody because. <laughs> right. It's been brutal. It's going to need to be a lot from Horford. He's going to have to do an exceptional amount of playmaking, set things up, and he's going to have to figure out how to find more looks for himself, which is going to be harder. And big interview with Brad this week talking about basically how they had planned to deal with Kyrie Irving's knee and how they plan to manage minutes and that Gordon Hayward's injury was a big shot at that ability to work him off the ball and maybe not abuse him so much until the fourth quarter when they needed to score and maybe he would be the go-to guy. He's obviously been the go-to guy several quarters throughout every single game, still tends to finish strong, similar to what we had seen with Isaiah Thomas last season, but at the end of the day, this is a guy that needed some rest needed some ability to share the uh, offensive load, and that injury to Hayward really put him in a little bit of a crux. So that's why I agree with you and what we said before. I think you got to give Kyrie time off, got to let him go ahead and rest. It's totally worth it right now. And uh, and try to get the rest of the team healthy because I think as, Bra- as Brown comes back, that, you know, then that bench depth is there again for a little bit. And then hopefully, I mean, heck, why not let Kyrie rest until Hayward comes back? <laughs> you know, Mike Gorman said this week, he kind of always anticipated it too. Like Brad basically told us he shut down without actually officially shutting him down. And you heard Sean Grandy on, on Celtics beat saying, you know, he's done, he's done. And then this, these wave of, People come out, including Gorman, and then also uh, Maxwell seems to be somewhat optimistic. Everybody coming back around to the to the Duke and uh, the Duke and Jughead kind of side of things. Yeah, just remember, everybody, we told you first. You know, I mean, it's, you're right. Yeah, and, and you know, and Hayward himself. I mean, there was a they did a thing at, at, a, at a local school there on Friday, I think, and and you know, a lot of the reporters in the area were there and. You know, he's like, look, I, my mind is, I'm not ruling it out. And he shouldn't rule it out. Why would he, why would you rule it out? That's setting limits. Those are the things that, you know, Brad Stevens doesn't want to do. And I think it's healthy for Brad to be like, it's not, he's not coming back, but it'd be entirely unhealthy if that was Gordon's outlook. You know, Gordon needs to, to shoot for that. And as and long rehab as he's not really damaging. Yep, exactly. You don't want to damage it, but rehab is so much about the drive in the early stages and your ability to not quit and keep pushing through and keep pushing through. So you take that off the table, it sort of removes, and I mean, I get it. He's a competitor, and it's not going to remove it entirely, but it's just really good to have something like that to maintain that level of aggressiveness to push through every single long day of pain and rehab. Absolutely. And he was, you know, and I think that that's, I think he's got the right outlook. I think everyone's got the right outlook on this. You know, I don't think we need to, you know, parse words. I mean, it's so much is getting caught up in the, well, someone said this and someone said that. Like, look, everyone's saying what they need to say. There's nothing that's cross about what's been, what's been talked about. I think the real question is, you know, what are the real metrics? What's really occurring? During his, you know, rehab, is he walking? Is he, yes, he's okay. He's walking. Yes, he's doing this. Yes, he's, he's, you know, light on his feet. He's, he's ball handling. He's shooting. 
Uh, he's on the alter G. He's at seventy percent, and the next step is eighty. And once he's at eighty, then he's he he can work on his own without without the alter G. So there, he's not. You know, it's not as if. Um, By the way, alter G sounds like an over-the-counter drug that kids trip on. Like that's it just like, <laughs> it's a really weird name. You know what I mean? But yeah. All right, let's. We, last week we said the team would. We both predicted the team to go three and L, right? So yeah. here we are, and we got three games on deck again. So the schedule is a little light again, and lots of rest in between. No back to backs, blah blah blah. But we got these injuries. I think the team would have gone three and O had Kyrie played in the second half of that Indiana game. So I think we were spot on there. But this week's going to be a lot harder to predict. They've got a matchup against the Wizards on Wednesday, Magic on Friday, the Pelicans on Sunday. I think I gotta, I'm a little worried about that Wizards game. I think they can take the Magic game, although the Magic have played them tough this year, haven't they? And the Pelicans, I'm a little worried about the beef down low. Uh, defensively, uh, not so much, but the offense for the Celtics to keep pace, I think is a little difficult. So I'm actually going to go with a one and two week, and I think they're going to take their time with Kyrie and Brown is why. Ordinarily, I'd go two and one on this week, but I, th- I think they're going to, they're just going to go ahead and, and let these fellas get the rest that they need. And I think that even though the bench has played really well, they're all getting thrust into starter roles and, uh, it's going to take its toll. They just, again, that was your big concern at the beginning of the year was a depth. How, who would have thought that they would have been missing potentially up to four of the players that were originally in their starting lineup? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's, that's absolutely true. I, I'm going to go two and one. I think that one out of Washington or, or New Orleans will be a W. Uh, and that's, that's asking a lot given that you're not going to have, you know, maybe, maybe Jalen's back for the New Orleans game. I think Kyrie's out for all three likely. Um, but, uh, Washington's a 500 team, <laughs> you know, you know, after, you know, they, they had a, a real good stretch there, but they've been, you know, they're, they're basically been a 500 team over the last, you know, since the all-star break. So, you know, they were playing well with, with once Wall sat down and then I think they found their level. Um, uh, possibly they're not even as good as that level. So I think, I think Washington is not that good. Orlando's terrible. They're, they're, they're tankerific right now. There's no interest in winning games. So I, that's definitely a W. I think they probably can, they're more likely to win the Washington game than the New Orleans game, probably. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to a one. I'm feeling pretty good about it too, actually. So let's see, let's see where we go. All right. You're going two and one. I'm going one and two. Brackets are getting filled out this week and we're hoping the Celtics get healthy. We'll table that discussion for evaluation next week, but that's going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke. I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to, to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. 
Celtics stuff live.